suicide game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Hello out there and welcome to another episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Moran, and my brother, J.S., to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, educational, and we hope enjoyable stories that will help you navigate those high seas of life. Today we introduce the Hemlock Maneuver, the long history and nasty business of shutting people up. Welcome to our 132nd podcast. And this series is dedicated to the millennial-long efforts to shut people up. In the long run, it never works. Never works out well for the banshees who scream and yell and their need to count coup. The hemlock maneuver, as will be explained here in our episodic adventure tales, is a losing proposition. Attempts to censure people's speech, to ban their books, deny them the right to disseminate their words, their ideas, their philosophy, theories, their very thinking, if they in any way threaten or contradict the views of people of influence, people with political interest to protect, and other goofballs. This will prove to be a very bad business indeed. And history will rightly paint you as a real asshole, and you will deserve all the opprobrium that will be coming your way should you wish to just shut people up. Subsets of a population whom demand, claim they are in need, in need, and warrant special protections because they are extremely sensitive people whose feelings are so easily hurt. These special disabled people, afraid of the dark, afraid of other people's word, of, you know, of preferred race, gender, and in modern parlance, or special, you know, sexual orientation or persons with a political agenda that they wish to promote to the exclusion of all others. They often demand the right to shut people up. And this has been historically a very nasty business indeed. The the denial of people, their voice, especially in dissent, gets very scary very quickly. Precedent for the harm, this evil of trying to silence people causes a society is, an, is evident whenever and wherever efforts are made to stifle freedom of expression and thought. In, in modern America, we've, we refer to this BS, this ugly business, as cancellation. A modern version of scapegoating and ancient ostracism. We now demand as a society safe spaces and, and label whatever speech we don't like. Hate speech. We call it hate speech. We then attempt to ban it completely. That's what a subset of Americans want to do today. Are you aware that the New York Times, Stanford University, and San Francisco State University, just to name a few storied institutions in our country, have published for our benefit, supposedly, 
lists of words, concepts, and common phrases that they have ruled offend, trigger, and may make uncomfortable or, or, or cause to have non-positive connotations placed upon an ever-growing list of people and segments of our society whom are sensitive to perceived insult with or without rational reason, I add, and with or without the need of any objective standard be established. Therefore, one must never speak the words on the prescribed word list. Never. The exception of which I believe there's only one is that the N-word cannot be used by anybody but black people in hip-hop music as they often need or desire to do so. And they, do, and, and they do it a lot, it must be said. But no other humans may speak this horrible word to avoid offending black people. That N-word exception aside, this list of impermissible words and phrases and the list, the list of ever thinner slices, subsets of our society whom take offense at ordinary spoken or written words of the English language is growing exponentially even as I speak these words of warning. Even a weird subset of our population feeders, a subset whom with twisted, sick uh, concepts of what constitutes sexual pl uh, pleasure obtain pleasure from stuffing their loved ones, their sexual partners beyond imaginable obesity parameters. Just stuffing their partners with food for their own perverse gratification until these love partners are so large they become unable to walk or even get out of bed. And those feeders take offense at being categorized as dysfunctional sick people? Really? By my recent count, these lists of proscribed words we shall never speak, phrases and idioms included, taken in toto, now amount to nearly 20% of the average American's vocabulary. The institutions I reference demand that they shall never again be spoken. These words will never again be spoken or written by anyone. And of course, will never again be spoken by anyone representing or hoping to represent these renowned institutions of the future. And they will never again appear in any publication or literature issued under the auspices of these venerable institutions that now are going to try to control their speech. The N-word exception noted for the horror it connotes. Now, fear of offending somebody somewhere at some time is the controlling factor, the only factor that matters, in fact. It is intuitive that this Offending list of offensive words can never contract. It can never get smaller. With time, only more of the language will be studied for potential insult, harm that's caused. And accordingly, the, the, the list of banned words and phrases will only increase. And should the increase in potentially offensive language 
and uh, expand. At some point in time, the, the banned language manual, manual will eventually dumb down America. It will strike us dumb, make us mute. Well, that said, it is not politic right now to use the word dumb in a polite society. So I must say that when we reach the point that no inoffensive words remain to be spoken or written. At that point, we will have reached that, that, that weird point in time where we have been struck dumb. But in order to avoid hurting the sensitivities of liberal loons, in order to convey such a thought, we will have to resort to speaking words other than struck dumb. We'll have to say something on the order of, we have now reached a point in time in which we must state that there exist no permissible words upon which we might rely to convey the idea we have been completely silenced. Words are not permitted us. I'm not kidding about this. 20% of the language is now banned. But now that that will be the point in time that we can truthfully say when they've banned almost everything we could possibly say, that is the point that we would have been struck dumb. When words have failed us, people resort to guns as their only form of effective communication. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. In America today, we have 400 million guns and growing, and why not? You know, just a thought. Oh, yeah, most Homicide victims are minorities. Most shooters are minorities. Therefore, just for the record, I find the words defund the police offensive and scary and totally stupid, by the way. But banning them, well, you won't hear me um, uh, saying that. Not on your life. Or more accurately, not in the life of a minority. In America... Words are now more dangerous than 400 million guns. This makes sense only in a nation in which 160 plus medical doctors signed an open letter several years ago suggesting it was okay to protest and then riot on the streets during a pandemic lockdown because white supremacy and implicit bias in America was more lethal than COVID. I find, I find this scary. I find this offensive. Hmm, but we're not going to ban that. Okay, now that kind of thinking does get me thinking that, geez, maybe, maybe really we ought to ban idiocy. But, but, then I, but then I regain my balance. A thought. The ACLU, to its everlasting credit, used to fight tooth and nail to protect free speech. But not so much anymore, as Nobel Prize winner for literature, Bob Dylan, saying, things have changed, and you bet they have. An organization that once fought hard to protect the right of even neo-Nazis to march, to present their message, no matter how revolting the nature of that message, but that it, it be conveyed to 
the residents of Skokie, Illinois in 1970, a community at the time that had many living Holocaust survivors and was selected by the neo-Nazis precisely because of this fact. That was where they're going to make their march. And the LACLU took a stand on the importance of free speech and fought that they be able to make that march to present their message, no matter how disgusting. Now the ACLU has caved caved into all the opponents of free speech, and they often take a stand now in favor of hate, hate speech restrictions. As a nation, we have now become, in my opinion, a nation of pussies. That's the basic message, and it is indeed a quite a scary conclusion to reach. What follows now are reflections and stories that ultimately do reflect poorly on the efforts of people who are trying to force other people to shut up. It never ends well. It just doesn't. The ideas that follow, they're, they're going to meander around a bit, but that's just me being me. You can either... Turn the dial, or you can listen. But, but, but I, I do offer a trigger warning. Those who need trigger warnings, therapy dogs, restoration couches, zen dens, safe spaces, and are worried that hate speech is everywhere, and it's anything that they don't like, and that it must be banned, you ought to leave now. Because what you're going to hear may traumatize you forever. Your feelings might be hurt. You will never be able to be the same again during the entirety of the course of your lifetime. You will be afraid to live. Go listen to Gwyneth Paltrow pitch for power socks. They're awesome and, and they'll change your life. She promises. Okay, for those less fragile souls out there, I offer you Sigmund Freud. In the late 1930s in Vienna, pre-Kristallnacht, Dr. Freud was informed the Nazis had been very busy burning his books. Nazis didn't like his ideas. They hated the concept of psychiatry. And more fundamentally, they hated all Jews. Whether one was one-eighth Jewish, one-quarter Jewish, had one Jewish parent, two Jewish parents, you were Jewish, and the Nazis wanted to do you in. And Freud had witnessed the Nazis coming to power over a 15-year period. Still, he quipped at the word of the book burning. Just think, he said, how much progress we Jews have made. A century ago, they'd have been burning me. Now they're just burning my books. Well, within a year, Kristallnacht convinced even Dr. Freud that the progress he'd claimed to have seen in a Nazified German world was erroneous. He was in error. He departed for England. And before And he did that before the Nazis did him in like they would do in Freud's four unfortunate sisters who stayed behind in Austria and were killed in Nazi concentration camps. History demonstrates people whom would kill your speech, burn your books, soon they'll find nothing wrong with murdering you. It's just a small chasm to be cleared. And it's the first murder that proves so hard. Just a thought. The Catholic Church 
didn't like very much what Giordano Bruno had to say, the Italian scientist and philosopher, when he espoused and supported the radical Copernican idea of a heliocentric, sun-centered universe, sort of impeded upon the Catholic Church's safe space, if you, if you get my point. Bruno's ideas in 1600 were in opposition to the Catholic Church's teaching of an earth-centered universe. This triggered lots of Catholics, the priests, the nuns, the usual suspects. And as you can imagine, it scared the Pope too. Not the Pope of Greenwich Village. No, the real Pope, the guy with the little red shoes and the little white hat, and whom took offense was offended by what Bruno had to say. But the Pope gave Bruno a chance to recant. Recant what? That the earth didn't revolve around the sun? I mean, how many Catholics you know, needed restoration couches and therapy dogs to recover their composure after being triggered by Bruno's revolutionary, if you get my drift, literally ideas. It's not known to us. It's just not known to us. It has been lost to history. But what is not lost to history is that by expressing his opinion, his scientific opinion, as to how the universe actually worked, Bruno had contradicted the Pope. And where exactly was the safe space in Rome? Somebody had to shut up this toxic white male and shut him up immediately. Patriarchy and reason, it makes everybody feel so, so vulnerable. Of course, not everybody, but a great many people, the people that mattered. It felt so unsafe. We don't need Oprah to present the other side of the truth. What Bruno had to say was pure heresy and the conclusion was, we got to cancel this guy right now. And they did. In 1600, the Catholic Church burnt Bruno at the stake. And the Pope added a nice creative flourish to the horror of Bruno's execution, demanding that his engineering staff design a specific device that would, that would hold in place Bruno's tongue making it impossible for Bruno in his final torments to speak, to utter something that might be profound to an already triggered flock. However, strangely enough, there is nothing in the historical record indicating that Roman women had been triggered when witnessing a man being burnt to death in a public square. No. Yeah. There, there's no reports of their need to race off to uh, pet therapy animals of various breeds or whom sought relief on recovery couches or in Zen dens. But then, but then we must recognize that these women were descendants of people who were driven to near orgasmic ecstasy while watching lions and leopards shred people apart in the Colosseum on a regular basis. That was okay. Bruno had also believed in the you know, infinite universe with numerous inhabited worlds. 
Uh-oh. You so you can see why why this belief in, you know, in the existence of aliens and wherever you find aliens, there always comes those reports of those heinous alien anal probes to which people were forcibly subjected. This fact alone might have provoked the Pope to kill Bruno, to order his death. Years later, Galileo came within a hair's breadth of suffering the same fate as Bruno. You'd think he'd have learned to just shut up. Bruno's ideas, Galileo's ideas and concept, they disturbed people's belief systems made them feel so, so, so unsafe, made them question even their own Pope. God, how scary would that have been? If this wasn't hateful speech, I mean, what would it take to be constituted as hate speech? Of course people were triggered. Uh, the cure? Kill the guy. Well, you respond. Well, well wait, 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 wait a minute. That was way back then. What about today in the USA? Today in the USA? Well, when we come across people whose ideas we find offensive today, we don't kill them. True. What we do is, well, that will be the subject of our ne next episode. I hope you'll tune in because it's a sad story we're about to unveil. Thank you and have a good day. Bye-bye. <laughs>
mistakes Just things that I've done I can tell and I've broken the heart Can she forgive me? Can she forget? Can she keep us from falling apart? I hope that she knows that I meant no harm My demons, they led me astray I trust that she 